Welcome to the Secrets in the Saddle, All Things Cycling. And before we get into this amazing episode with Susan, I want to share with you one of the things that is coming up on the schedule for my cycling programs is the four-hour cycling skills intensive workshop. Now, what is this all about? Well, we cover in the four hours the foundation and the fundamentals of pedal stroke and pedal form. Now, are you finding that maybe you're not as fast and your pedal stroke or cadence is kind of slow and you're wondering how to do that? Or maybe it's you're climbing the hills and you know that there's a better way and how to manage gears and climb out of the saddle. Well, I'm here to share with you all the skills and techniques that you need to make your cycling experience um, an amazing one. And that's through the four hours. So you got cycling foundation, you got hills and and drills, you got power and speed, and then we finish off with a nutritional webinar. All of that for an amazing price. Now I have a promo code which is the word pedal. So use the word pedal and you go to cyclingskillspro.com and apply it there and you get $50 off of this amazing workshop. So I look forward to hearing, seeing you there. If you have questions, please DM me. Thank you so much for listening. And we're just going to jump right in to this amazing episode with Susan Sly. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daewoo, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Um, Okay. All right, everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of Secrets from the Saddle podcast with all things cycling with this amazing, extraordinary lady, Susan Sly. I cannot even begin to express how grateful I am to have her here. Now, before we get into her introduction or having welcome her in, I'm going to go through a couple of little things that you should know about this extraordinary lady. Are you guys ready? Okay, so Susan Sly is the founder of Agency 8, and I'm just going to tell you, that's where we know each other. We've known each other for about five plus years, going back through this agency, through uh, network marketing, and um, so she also has, well, this is an agency that's part of her, um, her uh, Step Into Her Power company. She is also co-founder of an AI company, Radius AI, which I'm an I'm a investor in. Um, and she has, she is done extremely well in the MLM area of making over $20 million in the last 17 years. And we are also teammates in that department. So before we, and I still have more, I still have more. <laughs> Okay, she, Susan has been on CNN, NCBC, Fox, Lifetime TV, 
and NCBN and the morning show. Um, she has an, she also has authored seven books. So you have to look her up and she also has extremely successful podcast. So you have to look her up there as well. So this is, you know, the reason why I bring Susan in here is that she has an extraordinary athletic background and which goes into, she's done the Boston Marathon six times. And even before that, she was a pro, she has a pro division card for Canada in Ironman triathlons. So welcome Susan to the podcast. Well, thanks so much, Sylvie, for having me. And I just want to congratulate you. You know, really and truly, there are a lot of people out there who think about starting their own podcast and it remains a thought and it doesn't become an action. It's like a lot of people who think, oh, I'm going to, I'm cycling. I'm going to someday do a century run or I'm going to someday do an Ironman and that someday never comes. And so I want to acknowledge you for just jumping in and saying, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. And, uh, and you're doing it. So congratulations. Congrats. Thanks a lot, Susan. And I love, as you, I'm sure, love networking and meeting people. This has been like, I'm just getting started. I get goosebumps thinking about the kind of people that I've already met and that who I'm going to meet. But Susan isn't just here to talk about triathlon. She is going to give us a little bit of background, but she is a NLP and certified professional and but she's going to talk a lot about mindset and in sport and in sport and in business and this is a really cool uh, episode because I have not had anybody on yet and I probably won't that's going to give us the goods like Susan so I'd love to just start about you know how you got into cycling and triathlon so bad like you know, back in the day? That's a great question. So I was a, I was a runner. And when I was in high school, I was a team Canada athlete as a junior. And I, you know, like a lot of kids, I really didn't take the pressure well. So at the peak of my high school training, I was doing about 20 kilometers or you're in the US about 12 miles a day in training. And that, you know, was every single day I was supposed to take a rest day. I never took the rest day. And as a result, I became overtrained. And during high school, I moved from Ontario to Nova Scotia. I was a top three runner there. I started to get scouted by universities and I combusted and I went to the extreme. I gained 70 pounds. I stopped um, competing. And then at one point, as I was finishing university, I looked in the mirror and I didn't even recognize the person staring back at me. And as a result of that, what I decided to do first was go back into running. And then a friend of mine said, hey, you should try duathlon. And so I went and did a duathlon. It was part of the President's Choice Series back in the day when they had that. And I, I'm busting out the run and then I get on the bike and I don't even know how to shift gears at all. Sylvie. And so I go from having this great run to I'm struggling up this hill. I'll never forget this. And it was... Um, Oh gosh, I can't even remember where it was, like somewhere in um, Niagara Lakes region in Ontario. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm going up the escarpment and I'm in the heaviest gear and this guy bikes by me like nothing. And he's probably like 75 years old. And he goes, you're in the wrong gear. And I was like, oh, so I get off the bike and I start walking the bike up. 
And I made a resolution with myself, two things in that race. The first one was I saw the girls on the pro rack. So where all the girls were that were, had their elite cards for duathlon and triathlon. I said, next year, this time I'm going to be on that rack. Number two, I said, I'm hiring a cycling coach. And I did. So that's how I got into cycling. And the first lessons were, these are how you shift the gears. And, uh, and, and I think to any smart move (laughs) (laughs) to to anyone listening, I think the thing I would say it's, it's not just about cycling. It's about anything in the face of challenge, Mm -hmm. we can give up or we can get better. And what is your life going to be like if you decide to give up, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, looking back and thank God I didn't. So a year later I was on that pro rack and uh, I went on to get my elite card for duathlon in Canada. And then if you have your pro card for duathlon back in those days, you had to race pro triathlon. So my very first triathlon was the Canadian national long course championships. And uh, I busted that out, finished top 10 and, and that was it. How did the swim look? <laughs> It was freezing cold. It was in <laughs> Northern Alberta. And oh back, in, back in those days, Mark Bates was like one of the top triathletes in all of Canada. And so I'm freezing cold. We're at the side of the lake and there's little ice crystals around it. And I, I turned to Mark Bates and I'm like, this is my first triathlon ever. He's like, your first triathlon ever is the Canadian long course championships. I'm like, yeah. And, and he said, come here. And he, you know, he starts rubbing Vaseline on my forehead. And uh, anyway, it was, it was a crazy weather day. And uh, if you don't know how long that is, it's a 2K swim and 90K bike and then a full half marathon, 21K. During the course of that, we got hail, we got rain, we got a bit of snow. And then when I finished, it was about 30 degrees Celsius. So it was crazy. Oh my gosh. You got all the temperatures in there. It's like, <laughs> ah. How did you do on the swim though? Because I don't think you're a, you're a swimmer. You're a runner and no. a cyclist. No, no. At the, by this time, by this time, I had done my share of century rides. I had, um, yeah, I was I was had my coaching certification, so I was racing. I was coaching, um, but I had a swim coach as well, and uh, mm. I would do master swimming. I, I I would do the same master swimming um, training. Um, at the same time with Simon Whitfield, who was Canada's, one of his, Canada's best Olympic distance triathletes. And uh, so, yeah, my swim was horrible. I always couldn't wait to get out of the the water and get on the bike because I came, I became a ferocious biker. I went from the Mm -hmm. girl that didn't even know how to shift the gears to becoming a beast on the bike. I could be coming out of the water. One race um, in actually in Montreal, it was a half Ironman in 2000. And I was in really bad pain. I had had a bike accident and my back was just like wretched. I was in so much pain and I was swimming and I was going crooked. No matter what I tried to do, I couldn't go straight. I get out of the water and I was sponsored by this bike company, this custom bike company called Porter, a Canadian company. I get out of the water, Sylvie, and my bike was bright yellow. I used to call it Porter Pete. (laughs) On On the women's elite rack, there was one bike left. It was poor Porter Pete. So I get out of the swim. I'm in dead last. And I, in my mind, I, I was like, girls, I feel sorry for you because here I come. Mm. And we were racing around, I can't remember what it's called in Montreal, but it's like the Formula One track. Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. Like Any yeah. laps of this thing. And I just started peeling off the girls. And then I, I finished the bike. I was in 10th place on the run. And I just kept passing them. And I was in so much pain. And we come near, we're like probably about, I want to say maybe less than a kilometer to the finish. And everyone's like, go that way, go that way. Because there was a course marker. So the, the, the fans 
told the French girl the right way to go, told me the wrong way to go. I ended up finished second, finishing second. I crossed the line, pass out. My coach is there. My agent is there. And I was like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Well, later on, I found out that my rib was sticking out of my back. What? <laughs> yeah. So I did the whole race with one of my ribs subluxed out of poking out of my back. How did that happen? I don't know. Just training. <laughs> Just, yeah. Definitely. Just training. That, that whole experience <laughs> minus the ribs sound like my first triathlon experience because I was not a sight. So you, you're from Brockville. That was my first triathlon. They take you out in the boat. They drop you in the St. Lawrence and you have to swim in and the current's going like this. So everybody's like going further away from the start line. I was like, oh my gosh, I get out like second last, luckily. And, uh, but like you, just a beast on the bike and I held my own on the road, but there was that old guy that passed me and I was just like, and I'm like, just, and I'm like, okay, you can have it. That's it. <laughs> but nobody it's else is getting past guy. me. It was probably the same guy. It's the same guy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it sounds like because it was 2000 when I did. <laughs> I was just like, okay, you got that. Good. You're awesome. And I'm like, that's it. Nobody else is passing me. <laughs> but oh my gosh, was that horrible. I'm like, triathlon's not for me. <laughs> After that experience, I'm like, I'm going to do something more extreme. But oh my gosh. So, so you excelled there and then... I think you went to Malaysia, you did your, your, um, your uh, pro, like you did your Ironman triathlon in Malaysia. And I think that was the last one in your races and then you moved on. Well, what, what happened was I was, you know, I really had this dream that I wanted to win Kona. And so I did, I mean, I, I think I did something like 16 half Ironmans. I'm not a short course wow. racer. Because I, you know, if you, I don't love racing in the Peloton, that's the first thing. And um, I need to make up for the swim. And in, in Olympic distance triathlon, the swim is almost the same as half Ironman swim. So I figure the more time I had on the bike, the longer the run, the more I could kick some butt, right? So yeah. I was going along, but I wasn't feeling good. And it was, there were a lot of things that were going on. I owned a business. I was on radio. I was on television. I was training clients. I was, there were a lot of things happening. And so what happened was to make a long story short, I had gone to my doctor and I had said to him, listen, you know, you come to me when you want to know what shoes you want to wear for working out or what you need to eat. And I handed him a post-it note and I said, I want these tests. Something's wrong. And so January 13th of 2000, he called me in his office and he showed me a, a film essentially. And it looked like a fishbowl full of fish. And he said, Susan, and he was a bit teary because he was, he had delivered my daughter. We were friends. And um, he said, his name was Ross. And Ross said, Susan, um, you have multiple sclerosis and we haven't seen a case like this. It's so bad that you'll be in a wheelchair in 10 years and dead in 20. And I was in shock, um, but my first thought was, crap, I haven't done the Boston Marathon yet. And my second one was, I haven't done the Ironman yet. What about Kona? And so my, my, I'm, I'm really symptomatic. I'm slurring my speech. I'm dropping things. I'm having a really hard time on the bike. It's, I'm getting a lot of vertigo. 
and um, training is just really bad. I went and I was doing, um, I was a top five North American duathlete. I've raced in Europe as well. And so I was doing a series in the US, the Dan and Duathlon series. And um, it was hardcore. Like one of the women I raced against since, you know, we're talking about cycling was Kimberly Bruckner. Kimberly Bruckner was an Olympic cyclist. So like, fortunately she wasn't a runner. So, you know, go bust out that first 5k run and something like 17 minutes and change. And then we'd be biking and Kim would be, you know, just killing it. And I was averaging like for 30 K I was averaging, um, in and around, you know, 40 K pH, right? Like we're just no, no drafting whatsoever. And then my second run would be like 18, 19 minutes. But we were doing these races all over the southern, southeastern U.S., like New Orleans and um, Durham, North Carolina. And I passed out in one race. And then I went to do a race in um, Muskoka. I had to be pulled out of the water. I couldn't breathe. And I said, that's it. My career's over. But I hadn't told my agent, Ronnie, or my coach that I was sick. And so I kept training as much as I could. And then I said, I'm going to go into Ironman Florida. And because being a pro, I had sponsors. I was sponsored by Oakley. I was sponsored by DeSoto. I had the bike company. I had money sponsors. And so I'm really a stubborn person. So when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And so I was training for Florida and um, that, that, injury acted up again. And I found myself, I was, they used to let you, if you're from Toronto, you know what I'm talking about. They used to let you bike around Mount Pleasant Cemetery. And I, I'm biking around doing my intervals and I, I was in so much pain. I get off the bike. I had to call Chris, come help me. Um, I, I just, I, I couldn't even walk. And I felt like there was this burning down the whole part of my body. And it was not only the sublux rib, I was having an MS flare up. So Instead of saying my pro career is over, I called my agent and I said, Ronnie, I can't go to Florida. What's the next one I can do? He calls me back the next day. He goes, I got you into Ironman Malaysia. There's going to be a lot of press there. The number one woman in the world, Natasha Badman is going to be racing and it's in January. So I trained, I recovered, and then I'm riding my bike on my trainer I have about 13 days before I'm supposed to race. So the race was January 28th, 2001, and it's January 15th. It's almost a year to the day I've been diagnosed with MS. I'm doing a five-hour training ride in my apartment in Toronto. At four minutes and 45 seconds, a bolt came loose in my trainer. I went smashing forward into the television. My feet were cleated in. My pelvis smashed across the top tube, and I totally blacked out. And Chris says to me, he's like, you know, he, I wake up, he's standing over me. He said, I have to take you to the hospital. I said, no, you don't. I said, because they'll tell me I can't race. And so there was a company in Canada that just started an electrolyte company, Elode. And I was actually the director of sales for Elode with Dr. Douglas Stoddard. And so I called Doug the next day. I said, Doug, I think I've smashed my pelvis. I need to do something. I'm still going to Malaysia. He's like, you're crazy. He made me this donut ring to put on my bike seat. And so I could ride because I had a hematoma in my pelvis that was protruding. It was the size of a grapefruit. So... I still flew to Malaysia. I flew from Toronto to Chicago to Seoul, South Korea to um, Kuala Lumpur. And then we're flying to Langkawi Island and the, the press is on my plane. And they're like, 
who is this Susan Sly? You know, I've never heard of her. And someone goes, oh, she's a top five duathlete. This is her first big Ironman. And then he goes, oh yeah, Natasha Badman's here and this woman's here. And I'm like sitting right behind them going, I can't even sit on a bike and I'm still going. And that, you know, this show is about mindset, Sylvie, mm -hmm. to have that mindset that somehow this is going to work out. I can't sit on my bike, but somehow I'm going to do a 4K swim, a 190 kilometer bike, like 180 kilometer bike and a 42 kilometer run. Somehow I'm still going to do that and race pro against the number one woman in the world. And um, there was a whole series of events that happened. And um, I just had tremendous faith that I was going to be able to do this race. And I ended up doing the race and coming in top 10 in the pro division wow. of the Ironman. And that was my last race. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Chris <laughs> takes you home and puts you in. It's like, wow. That's like, I know I've heard the last part about that race, but I had not heard all the details. And oh my gosh, I like, that's extraordinary. So the thing is that let's just go right into mindset. Like we just left on that. Um, and talking about, because a lot of us athletes or active individuals, you know, we, we set our expectations for the spring or maybe, um, race goals. We're just going to pretend we have race goals. Forget about COVID. We yeah. all have some race goals yeah. <laughs> whenever that finishes, but I know I do, um, I have race expectations or I'm training for a specific event. Um, but what is kind of like the mindset that you would like, how would you talk to somebody about mindset when you're talking like, like talking about sports and then we'll just move into the business side because that's, I mean, that's where you have a huge amount of experience. Like, um, you know, over the last 20 years, you know, after that, you just launched right yourself right into like all the amazing businesses that you have. So what kind of advice would you give? Let's sure. talk with the athletes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of the people who are listening, we're athletes, but we are, we're other things too. We're moms mm -hmm. or, dads or we own businesses or, you know, we are management jobs or whatever it is. So going back to the first thing is one, you have to very clearly visualize the outcome. That's the first thing in anything you do, whether it's racing, business, life, there is an outcome. And the question is, what outcome do you want? So with the Ironman, I visualized myself coming in the top 10. And, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. And that's the second thing. You, you really give that how up to your higher power. And so what happened for me was I went to the race registration in Malaysia, in, in um, Langkawi Island, and I register for the race and I go and, you know, you've ever, if you've ever traveled with your bike, you know, you have this huge bike case and I'm, you know, putting my bike together and I went to try and get on it and, and the pain was so bad and I've given birth to children. It was worse than that. And, and I just sat on a curb and I started crying and going back to, we visualize the outcome. We let go of the how. All right. 
So there's a guy and he's, um, he's, he comes up to me and he's like, are you okay? And I said, you know, listen, um, you know, really bad day. I'm not even sure how I'm going to ride. I can't sell my bike. He's like, listen, a few of us are going for dinner tonight at the Sheridan, um, in like Howie, do you want to come? And I'm like, you know, the third thing I'm going to say in this process, and I just did, um, the biggest show in the world. I was just a guest on, on trust Dave Horsager show. I said the same thing. The third thing is that it's the trusting and allowing. So when we're intentional, these doors start opening and this is where people, Sylvie begin to freak out, right? They, they literally begin to freak out. It's like saying, yes, I want to win this race. And then suddenly someone who's very accomplished is offering to give you advice or you come across this magazine article and it's a new way of eating or a new way of doing something or Sylvia is your coach and she suggests something new. Our pattern is to go back to what is comfortable, but what is comfortable only will ever take us to a certain level. And at some point we have to get uncomfortable. So I go to the Sheridan that night. I don't know anyone. And in fact, I don't even really recognize the person who invited me, but I go and there are all these people sitting in the main lobby in this big circle, just around these, you know, in these chairs. And there were two chairs open and I go and I sit in one and the guy says, oh, that's my friend. He'll be here in a minute. And I'm like, cool. And so the guy comes and he sits down and he, I said, hi, I'm Susan. And he goes, hi, I'm Dave. I said, he goes, are you racing? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, you know, are you, you know, you're pro, you're nervous, you're racing against Natasha Badman. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he goes, what your, what's your goal? I go top 10. And I said, there's just one little issue. He said, what's that? And I said, well, I fractured my pelvis. He said, well, I'm an ER doctor from Denver. And I freeze your pelvis for you. I travel with lidocaine. And if lidocaine works and we can get you marcaine, you'll be able to go for five hours. And so the fourth thing I want to say to everyone is when that person appears, when that opportunity appears, you've got to say yes. And of course, there's this strange man who's going to stick a huge needle in my nether regions. And I'm like, okay, yes, let's do that. So as luck would have it, this is, this is the craziest story. Going into the trust, right? So the next step is to ask. So I asked very clearly. I'm like, yes, let's do this. Let's freeze my pelvis. And, and it was so serendipitous. There was this girl that I had known from triathlon in Ontario that happened to be in Malaysia. Like it was just weird. Like in Malaysia, of all places. You know? Vacationing? And she was racing. Oh. And I had no idea she was going. Oh, and wow. I said, I said, honey, I know we don't know each other really well, but um, this man is going to stick a big needle in my woohoo. And I need, he's asked that I have another woman who witnesses just so it's not weird. She's like, right. okay. So she comes, he, he, he freezes me. And so I go out on this bike ride to test this frozen pelvis. And I'm like, this is the best. When you've had a fractured pelvis for a couple of weeks and then suddenly this is going on, it's great. And I'm riding. And I go down this hill and it's, um, I look down at, um, and I'm going close to 60 kilometers an hour and I'm like loving every minute. I'm like, yes. And this monkey goes to run right in front of my bike 
and and I I start like screaming I'm like ee! like this I like it was just this like gut thing and the thing takes off because apparently I speak monkey who knew right <laughs> which is, has nothing to do with mindset but the reason I bring that part of the story up is because the moment you walk through the door you're going to be tested and so different tests came. So we were in a Muslim country. We have to find a female doctor who's gonna give me Marcaine and inject my pelvis. So we had to do that. And then um, we had to see if it worked. And then we had to get her to actually give Marcaine to the American doctor so he could inject me the morning, the Iron Man, which is like four in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Come and do that. And then I, he injects me and I go back to my bike, Sylvie, and both my tires are flat. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, yeah, I was sponsored by, I'm not even going to say their name, but a big, huge tire company in the cycling world. And um, I had tubes with me, right? And I had um, three tubes because I'm like, I'm like going to over plan for stuff. And this, this becomes very important in a minute. So I look over and, and we're getting close to race time. I have these two flat tires. Like, wow. So I look over and it's Natasha Badman's husband who's like standing within like three meters of me. I'm like, hi, um, I'm competing against your wife. Could you give me a hand? Cause I had to do this fast, right? So we yeah. change out the tires. He's so nice. Cause I know in his mind, he's thinking you're not gonna beat Natasha. Cause Natasha was the number one in the world. No one was gonna beat her. And so, I'm like, okay, good. I have one spare, tire's good. I go get in the water for the swim and I'm laying on my back and there's in Langkawi um, Harbor, there's this huge, beautiful bronze eagle statue. And I'm laying on my back. I look beside me, my hand touches someone else. It's Natasha Badman. And I look up and this eagle goes across the sky. <laughs> so we start the race. And I swim my guts out. I have my fastest 4K swim I've ever had. Because I'm thinking I'm going to get eaten by sharks, right? So I'm like, you know, swimming so fast. And I come out of the water. Good news is, tubes are, you know, still looking pretty good. Yeah. And um, I, I, I start biking and the heat starts rising. So it's, oh. it's, it, it's going like up and up and up. So it's like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It goes up past 120. The aid stations run out of water. I have never been thirsty like that in my life. I'm going through the jungle and there's a person at the side of the road and I was riding um, 650s. There's a person at the side of the road. Who's 50s. Yeah, back in the day. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's old school, right? Like this is, yeah. I used to I'd love to ride a 650. So I, so those persons at the side of the road, they've flatted out. They're like, I'm out of tubes. I said, what are you riding? And he goes 650s. And I gave him my last tube. If anyone knows me well, that's pretty much sums up me. Mm -hmm. We have about 30K left to go in this 180K ride. It's hot. I'm dying of thirst. The freezing is coming out of my pelvis and I'm cycling because I've got this big swelling between my legs and I'm like, boom, 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 cycling. Mm -hmm. And the lead pack of girls by some grace of God is not that far ahead of me. I'm like, dang. So we go into this, um, it's 10 K down, 10 K up. And at the end, there's an alligator farm. So, um, I, in my mind, I was like, it's the alligator pit. You've got to go down. You've got to go up as I'm going down both my frigging tires flat. What? Yes. 
Did you bike on rims? I did. <laughs> with a fractured pelvis with no oh my God. You're like, I don't and care her. about this bike after. I'm like, I just gave yeah. this done. And it's, and it's so funny because in the speaking <laughs> world, I get guys coming up going, you're the fractured pelvis girl. Like, that's what they call me. I'm like, okay, if that's what I'm known for, then I'm hardcore. I'm a badass. I don't care. So I'm biking on the rims and like <clears throat> biking and the girls are getting further away, further away. And so I come, I eventually get through transition. I'm in a world of hurt. And the thing I'll also say is when we set our intention, we're determined, we're walking through the doors, we're saying yes, all of those things, when it comes down to mindset, I promise you, God will always put something in your path as a symbol to say, keep your ass going. So I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm like walking at every aid station. I want to walk the whole damn marathon. Getting the, not getting the medal was not an option because having MS, I knew it'd be my last marathon, my last Ironman, but I Mm -hmm. also had a sense that um, finishing it was really going to put me in a bad flare up situation. And it did take me three years to recover from that, but I'm, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And along comes this guy I know who has no legs and he's running on prosthetics and he's done the whole damn Ironman with no legs. And I'm feeling sorry for myself because I've got a hematoma in my vajayjay, the size of a grapefruit. Right. And so, and his name's Paul. And Paul's like, come on, Susan. And I'm like, I'm coming, Paul. And so I kept on going. And then the the race director comes along. He's like, listen, the press is waiting for you to finish. They've heard you have this fractured pelvis. This has become like a big story here. Um, And I said, what place am I in? He said, you're in eighth position. Being half Chinese, I was like, it doesn't get better than this. Number eight is really number so i finished eighth in the pro division of the half hour of the iron man and um had a lot of cocktails that night i danced with lothar leader i was probably pretty drunk it didn't take much after that my i the <laughs> last this is also the last time i ever went to mcdonald's because i'm a vegetarian oh but, i remember uh, <laughs> yeah i couldn't wear any shoes my feet are bleeding and blistering and um, my friend susan is another pro racer from australia she's like oh I really want a Big Mac. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And so we go in in this Muslim country in our triathlon kits, which are like are next to nothing. Like you Mm -hmm. might as well be naked. It's just whatever. And in our bare feet going into McDonald's to get Big Macs and fries and shakes. Oh, that must have been the ultimate reward right there alongside with like, I'm in eight place. I don't care. I'm going to like haul my ass across the finish line. I'd be right there with you. I'm telling you, like there's been my mantra when I go into races that I always finish. I don't care if I have to crawl across the finish line. I don't care what kind of story I'm telling myself or not to tell myself, but I am always going to finish. And I have, I have always finished. Um, and I'm pretty proud of that because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who just quit like on, you know, the littlest thing will put them out of the game. And I find that once you put yourself out of the game, once it just streams line, it just, it just follows the next event and the next event. And you're like, and then you've got this series of unfinished events that you've, I know a couple people like that. That's why I say, you know, like, I mean, you have to go kick yourself in the ass and, and finish it to break the cycle. Um, yeah, I love that this in, you know, how we, we hear how you do one thing is how you do everything. I have that and, written down. 
<laughs> one, one of the things that I'll say is that if you quit at one thing, you'll quit at everything. Mm -hmm. And I know some of you are listening going, well, Susan, sometimes it's healthy to quit. Ask yourself, is it? Or is that a story you're telling yourself? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to be married. It's not easy to be a parent. It's not easy to, you know, to build a massive business. It's not easy to stay in a business relationship when you know you're having conflict but at the end of the day you've got to answer to investors or whatever the case is like yeah. of course not so you know it's how you want to be defined because at the end of the day our regrets aren't going to be the things we really stuck with they're going to be the things we quit mm, definitely now taking that mindset now what kind of i mean that that's i'm glad i got the whole story that's a really good story <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was it's so funny. It's about the same time that I tried triathlon. But um, so moving that kind of mindset into your business, how have you applied that? Like, I know I tell myself, you know, it can never be as bad as that, like, or that, or that, as long as I just keep moving forward and plugging away. So what can you, what kind of advice can you say, or what have you implemented that you learned from those experiences? That's a great question. I mean, that, you know, if you, it's suddenly as though you know something is gonna be challenging, you give yourself permission to endure pain, yeah. right? So the, in business, in any business, the first thing, like you, quitting's not an option. Yeah. Okay. So once I know that quitting's not an option, I'm getting some kind of medal at the end because it's all about the hardware. Everyone gets the t-shirt, not everyone gets the medal, right? So I, once I know that, then I'm gonna follow the same steps. You know, what is my intention? What is my outcome? Um, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna walk through those doors. And, and is it easy? Gosh, no, it is yeah. not easy at all, at all. I mean, even, you know, it's, it, you, at, at the end of the day, Sometimes there are going to, you're going to have more opportunities to quit than you will to stay in the game. But, you know, there's not one person I know. Um, I know someone, he's had several AI exits in Silicon Valley, totaling $8.3 billion. Wow. And every one of those companies, at some point, there's been a conflict. At some point, there's been a challenge, right? But, you know, everyone wants that, you know, oh, I want that 8.3 billion or even look at Elon Musk, you know, Elon Musk several years ago. Um, I know, you know, this story, but just in case not everyone does, he went to Tim Cook. He tried to get a meeting with Tim Cook at Apple to try and sell Tesla to Apple and Tim wouldn't even take the meeting. Oh. And now Elon Musk is the wealthiest man in the world. And so, you know, we look at that and go, there was Elon going, I think I'm ready to quit. I think I'm ready to throw in the towel. And that's the, the one of the points I made is that your higher power will always have a different outcome, right? So mm -hmm. that, you know, it was just not meant to be. And the same thing, um, Yahoo wanted to buy Facebook and they offered them a billion dollars. And Mark Zuckerberg said no, because he believed so strongly. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'm not gonna quit. I know where we're going is one of the wealthiest companies in the world today and no one uses Yahoo anymore, like hardly anyone, right? And everyone in Silicon Valley thought this was hilarious. They thought Mark was stupid for saying no. They thought Yahoo was stupid for offering a billion and how much money is Facebook worth now? Right? Oh, I, know. <laughs> like, I, don't even, I don't even want to contemplate. 
<laughs> but certainly when one door closes, another opens. And um, so I have one thing. So even if you're moving forward, like I always look at sport as there's always an end goal. And when we're talking about business, I think it's really important to give ourselves end goals. Mm-hmm. And for those who are having a hard time setting those end goals and then the little intentions along the way. So it's like little training periods, periodization, periodizing of your, of your business to the ultimate um, launch pad. Like, you know, oh my gosh, I have to look at my stuff like that. And I probably, so what, <laughs> so I'm just like, man, this is how I need to be thinking. But what kind of advice would you give somebody who's kind of like procrastinating on the side of the line, on the sidelines and, you know, would really love to go for that big business deal or start a business or because you have started a lot of things mm-hmm. and you've done extremely well with them. Like I'm a, I'm a product of those and <laughs> they're, in, you know, like, but for somebody who's sitting there looking, cause like now the online platform is the name of the game. Like if you're going to launch a business, it, you know, it's going to be online. So what kind of advice would you give somebody for that? Well, it's a, it's such a great question because it, it ties so beautifully into sport. They're mm-hmm. intertwined, intertwined in, in athletics. We think about the next race. And what Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs do who fail, they only think about the next deal or they think about the next company they're going to start. And Mm -hmm. athletes, if they only think about the next race, the next race, and they don't think about the longevity of their career, they don't have a long career. And let me give an example. So Mm -hmm. Tom Brady in football, (laughs) you know, whether people like him or not, here he is in his 40s defying the odds his body has next to no inflammation whatsoever right so Mm -hmm. here he is because he's thought of his career as a long game not just i need to get to the super bowl right Right. the same through when um when i was a trainer in canada i'm working with kirk muller and kirk had been released from the florida panthers here he was you know stanley cup champion and he came to me and said can you get me more time in the nhl and i said you have to eat like i tell you how to eat you have to sleep when i tell you to sleep you have to do what i tell you we're going to train you differently because you're in Mm -hmm. your 30s and i remember on hockey night in canada they were like muller's trying to make a comeback he's too old he has this trainer is making him drink protein shakes like that was me right and so (laughs) So we, but we had to look at Kirk's career as the long game. So the moment we started to focus on the long game, he got four more years. He won the OT. Um, they won and get overtime against Edmonton um, in OT. He got the game winning goal. And, and Don Cherry's like, Muller's back. I heard his trainer makes him do yoga. Yeah, I did freaking make him <laughs> do yoga. He was in his thirties, you know, you do what you need to do. And so now we're seeing athletes in all sports who are racing into their forties. And soon it's mm-hmm. going to be the really define the odds. Dara Torres came back to the Olympics and won several medals um, in her 40s. And so, yeah. you know, and, and Michael Phelps, you know, and so many different athletes. So yeah. we look at that and we go, the same thing is true for business. 
what is your long game? Now, there are only so many exits you can have in business, but there are only so many exits you can have in athletics. So let's compare <laughs> them, shall we? Yeah. So Michael Phelps said, I'm going to retire on top, right? And so in the business world, what that means is I'm, when I'm done, I'm selling my company or my kid is inheriting my company or I'm, my employees are inheriting my company through an ESOP, but we're, we're going to leave on top and we'll know when we get to that moment because that's the moment we're going to sell it. Right now, the real estate market where I live is so hot. If I sell my house, it's going to be the peak of the market. And I can say, you know what? This is a great time to get out because we're getting out on top. So that's one exit in business. Mm -hmm. Second kind of exit in business is involuntary. Same thing in, is true in for it. Lance Armstrong. Okay. So he got busted for doping. I'm sorry. I'll say this. They were all doping. They were all. I'm totally doping. with you. Yep. Like uh, Ben Johnson. I know I, I knew Ben, uh, Ben and I used to train on the same track at the same time. Ben got busted for doping, but they were all doping. So, you know, mm -hmm. so you can have this involuntary exit. The same thing is true with business is whether it's a lawsuit or whatever, it takes you out of the game. Sometimes people come back from that and people have, um, it's the same thing in sport. The yeah, next yeah. thing is just someone quits. They have a really bad race or, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're training, 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 and they don't, it doesn't go the way they want. And they're like, I just quit. And the same thing is true in business. Oh, this is harder than I thought it'd be. So I'm just going to mm -hmm. quit. Well, guess what? History doesn't remember. Look at all the people I mentioned, Ben Johnson, uh, Lance Armstrong, Michael Phelps, Dara Torres. People remember their names. They don't remember the names of the quitters. Mm -hmm. So it's like anything in sport. If I'm going to be a cyclist and I was going to train under Sylvie, I would say, I'm going to do this for five years. It's going to be yeah. a long game, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. You mentioned network marketing, direct sales space. And anyone listening, they should really connect with you about that. When I, when I initially committed to it, why? I have a lot of business skills. So why would I do something like that? Because it is actually the only business model out there where a lot of people have to succeed in order for you to succeed. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. like 10 or 20. I'm talking about yeah. hundreds of thousands, right? Mm -hmm. So our team has produced over $1.6 billion in sales, but that's a lot of people helping a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because when I committed to it, I had to learn it as though I was becoming a professional. So I gave it seven years. Right. I said, mm -hmm. I will use the products for seven years. I'm going to learn this for seven years. I'm going to tune into videos, podcasts, everything to become a professional. If I don't get, you know, if I'm not successful after seven years, then shame on me, not on anything else. And that's what I would say, Sylvie. It goes back to what I said about the Iron Man. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, what is your commitment? What is your intention? Are you going to walk through the doors, even though they scare you? Are you going to ask for what you want? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be bold, even in the face of challenge, when a monkey runs across your, your path, or you can't, you know, you need to find a female doctor in a male dominated um, medical industry in a country. And, you know, all these things that I had to say yes to. And there were so many times I could have quit the same thing in business. Oh yeah. I know that's, you know, those are, I can't even say like, it's so true. Like when you start comparing everything and and I was just thinking about what I was saying before, you know, working on your business, but this has been a great, like, I don't know if you have any, uh, we're at the top of the hour, but I don't know if you have any closing advice for anybody who's, I don't know, like 
like there's so many people who just bought bikes last year. Let's say for instance, <laughs> I got a new one on mother's day. So now I have two. Yes. <laughs> you have two bikes. Okay. Well now you have to get I have a tri bike and I have a road bike. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I will have to see you on that bike. And if I ever get back to Phoenix, I will bring my bike or I'll rent a bike and we'll go riding. But, um, so a ton of people are now on bikes and they say that this is going to be the most interesting, um, turn of events for cycling over the next three years of this business, because this is the year, like people are either, they loved it. They were inspired by it. They trained her through the winter or, and they're going to continue on this year, or they're going to sell their nice expensive bike and we're going to get great deals. So, but so yeah. And then, or we're just going to have so many people say women on bikes and they're looking for clubs and they're looking for ways of getting better now. And then if we ever get back to events, which I think they have events, events for triathlon. I don't know how that works, but there, something's going on, <laughs> but people are still going to participate them. So what would you say to somebody who's, you know, say they bought that bike and they're like, well, I don't know. It's kind of like, that was nice at the time, but you know, I'm not quite into it this year, but um, it was just like, you know, just to give them that, at uh, that, air of confidence just to keep going. I know what I would say. I'd be like, get on the damn bike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Join my club. Um, but what would you say? Sure. I, I think the answer that's on my heart to say is that any achievement happens with all the things that no one sees us do. Mm -hmm. And so the you know, getting up at four in the morning when you have to homeschool your kids mm -hmm. and your bike is on the trainer and it's really cold outside and you're like, I just want to stay in bed or whatever the case is, but you get on the bike anyway. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, how did you transcend MS? Well, there were some days, you know, keep in mind, I used to do like an eight to 10 hour training day on a Sunday when I was training for Ironman there were some days that walking five minutes was the most I could do. And no one saw me do that. Yeah. But, you know, as a result, here I am today. So what are you going to do when no one's watching? And that would be one thing I'd say. And the second thing I would say is look at all the things you've given up on, on your, in your life. And where would you be with those things right now? If you hadn't quit. Yeah, and yeah. I don't mean getting out of an abusive relationship or anything like that, but I mean like, you know, all the workouts that you committed to or all of the things, the businesses you started or whatever it is, where would you be if you hadn't quit? Mm -hmm. And don't let this be another symptom of an underlying problem where you feel that you don't deserve to be successful or you don't deserve to get ahead because you do. And so that's what I would say, Sylvie. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that because I encourage my ladies, you know, to just push back those past those feelings of uncertainty of low self-confidence that, you know, they're not going to be good enough for the group or whatever kind of negative story that they put in their heads. I said, you know, just leave that at home and, and come out and experience and, you know, just, 
allow yourself to embrace something that you are really interested in mm-hmm. and don't you know because a lot of and I find it mostly in women they'll just they'll shut the door on a lot of things they'll have all the excuses like oh I had an accident it's never going to be the same I don't have the confidence riding with with like within car you know around vehicles I'm like well you're always going to feel that way if you never get back on your bikes, like getting back on the horse, right? Um, and, you know, I think about if you went to Malaysia and decided to quit because you couldn't find a doctor. I mean, like, I can see you there, like, we're going to find somebody. And I'm sure somebody in here knows it, the concierge, somebody, the, the, the waitress, somebody knows someone. <laughs> and um, so, and it's the same in business, you know, it's just pushing past those, those, uh, I guess you can call them pain points that maybe yeah. you just don't, you don't, uh, like they're painful and you don't like that feeling, but you know, pain is temporary. Like your pelvis, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> no, thank God. No. <laughs> it's all temporary. So with that, thank you so much, Susan. I absolutely love you and adore you to death. And it's, I feel bad that you're in the United States. You're no longer in Canada, but (laughs) we'll always be seeing each other online. Um, And uh, so again, I want to thank you as our guest for today on Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast. This has been extraordinary. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And I hope you got a little nugget out um, from this discussion, this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and put those notifications on and definitely share with your fellow cyclists. And with that, have an amazing day, amazing week, and amazing winter of training. And we'll see each other out on the road. Take care. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.